0: And, you know, and today's fun for me. This is going to be fun because Pastor Mike said, I got some news for you. He said, the system is down. I said, like the screens? And he goes, yeah. I said, no verses? No. I said, no quotes? No. No points? No. Actually, we didn't say all that. That went in my mind. <laughs> because over the last 15 years, we've all learned how to preach that way. You know that that's the way you preach now. There's there's actually a style and a way that you do, and you do. It's just like Stacy just going. I normally would, so you have to figure out what do I do now. And uh, but all we have to do, and, and if you've been if you've been around long enough, you know that we used to do this without all this. You know, right. So let me just inform some of you what you've missed. That I would do next week if this thing is not fixed. We started out, we can, rolling out of, I'm part of the Jesus Revolution. How many of you are part of the Jesus Revolution? You we went to the movie. How many of you saw the movie? And you're part of that group, all right? And, uh, uh, and so um, we came out of hymn books, right? It was like, toss those hymn books. They were like of the devil. They weren't, you know, but that was kind of our long-haired, buckskin generation, all coming to church together, living in community. And uh, and so we would come with our giant family Bibles. I had one. I literally had a giant family Bible with all the pictures in it and everything, brought that baby to church. And, um, uh, of course, we'd put out our cigarettes in the parking lot, smoke our last couple of cigarettes, then run in, take Listerine like that. would cover all the smell. You know, we, we weren't very smart, but we loved Jesus. And uh, uh, and would run in. And, and then you remember when we switched, we didn't have all this technology. We had a person with an overhead projector. How many of you remember the overhead projectors? And you just prayed it wasn't somebody from the military that lost a finger in war. You know, they'd put their, they'd put their, they'd shove, the, you'd look at the hand and go, oh, gross. You know, use your other hand. And uh, with, it's got all the fingers on it, you know what I mean? Because you'd, or you'd be going, hurry. You know, you'd be yelling at the person, hurry and flip, we're two verses behind. So we know how to do this, and one of the things we have to do today, I actually, I say all of that, um, that I need to do today, I'll get to in just a second, but I do want to say seriously, thank you, Pastor Mike, for letting me up here. Um, There's never a greater privilege that a man gives away than his microphone in his place behind this desk. It's it's a big deal when they give that away, and um, they need to be up here. They really do. And um, I, I've said this for years. I've said it everywhere I've ever gone um, that now this doesn't count against my time on the clock. This is all introductory statements. So if you go, that guy went really long. My message is not long, it's all this other stuff that I do. This does not count on the clock. And we all said, I said, all. All said. Amen. All right. I know some of you are going to, hold on, what am I buying into if I say amen? Like two, when are we going home? Well, we're not having lunch till 1.30. <laughs> um, but um, uh, there is never anybody's voice, no matter how, you know how a guy will come in and he's got his, his one or two messages and he's honed it all down and he's incredible in front of you because you don't have to listen to him more than once or twice in a decade. Everything's fresh; it's all brand new. So you go, "Whoa!" Because we love that, and we need that. That's why you bring guests in, do different things, and and um, uh, but uh, never will anybody ever ever hold this microphone, stand here, that will be more important for you to listen to than the one who prays for you every day, the one who cares about your family, the one who's going to show up for you, uh, the one who. Worked and stumbled and failed and succeeded with you together to get here. There's never a more prophetic. You know, we're looking for that prophetic voice. There won't be one that's more prophetic than Mike Bartolomeo. There won't be. It's just the way it works. God calls a pastor to lead a church, not a guest speaker. Guest speakers are guest speakers. And they should bring a word that helps the church. If they don't help the church, they should have never come. They should be here for you. And I hope that Debbie and I are here for you. So she's been my partner in crime for 47 years of ministry. And uh, so we're on our 47th year of ministry together. And I don't know where I'd be without Debbie. She's like, got super energy. I was always had super energy. It kind of drives me nuts all the time. And um, so I'm at war all the time trying to keep her inspired and always teasing her. And I have uh, for 40, 50 years, I've just teased her constantly. And um, um, we've just had a ball together building churches and loving people and doing things together. And I do want to give honor to my bride in front of everybody. She's a very special human being to me, and I wouldn't be here without her. Could you give her any- And we are staying with the Rungis. Pray for us. We've been here three days now, and uh, is there a guy, uh, Julie, you're, is your husband Jack in the room? Where are you, Jack, back, back there? Hey, Jack, thanks for your bee coat yesterday. Uh, so Brad's new thing, those of you who don't know Brad, if you know Brad, you're gonna laugh in a minute, but he's into a new thing right now. And, uh, and, and so now he's keeping bees. So he's, he's, he's doing a bee thing, so, and I was pretty fascinated by this one. You know, the, so there's some things that he's gotten into. I'm going. You go right ahead, and uh, but but this bee thing's pretty fascinating to me. And so I, so he said, "You want to? Let's get some bee suits, and um, and go out there. We'll open that baby up." And I thought, yeah, okay, a bee suit. I'm i I'll being suited, right? And he goes, yeah. So we get the stuff. He gets his little smoker that makes the bees, you know, calm down, and uh, we and he puts on his suit. And he's got on a full suit, goes all the way to the ground, pulls boots way up, and he hands me my suit. Jack, was there not pants for that suit that you sent me? I said, there's no, there's no pants for my suit. He said, well, put on jeans. He said, tuck your shirt in in case a bee gets up under there. I said, this is really, I'm feeling peace right now. I'm feeling, I'm feeling good about this thing. And he said, well, don't worry, you won't be close. And uh, he said, you'll be back. And so we get over to the beehive. He says, come here look. (laughs) So now I'm wearing half a bee suit, praying that my jeans are enough. And uh, so it's been like this for three days now. So I just want All right. So I think you get a little bit of how I operate now. And I do want to say this. I have been around. Uh. Brad Runge for um, 50 years, 50 years. And I don't know of a more faithful, loyal, deeply integrity based man on the planet than Brad Runge. I don't. All right, now let's just, okay, now we're started. So now you can set your clock to see if I'm a long or short speaker. All right, so here we go, this is 1043, here we go, so here's what I need you to do, because we don't have that, it's actually especially important, and you're not used to this, so you're going to need to get out a version of the Bible right now, so you're going to have to use your phone, please mute all the other stuff, when you look down here and you got your text from Aunt Betty, don't do that, you know, try to get rid of that part so you can stay with me, and, um, but... Uh, but I'm, I'm going to read from a version that most of us might read once in a while, but we don't use in church. And when you see what I'm going to do, it's going to be very important that you look at your Bible to see why I'm saying what I'm saying. My goal today is to give you permission to be happy. That, that, that's my goal. My goal today is to give you the right way to view being okay with being happy sometimes. It's actually very important, all right? And, uh, and I'm, for those of you who immediately are worried going, do you not know the world's a horrible place? Uh, the world is dangerous. The world is dark. It is filled with evil. There's a lot of bad things going on. We do a lot of bad things to one another. Um, we, we, we struggle relationally. We have a set of friends right now that live in the Ukraine, young couple that we met. We get text messages from them all the time now because we met them in a big event that we were in and got to be friends with them, and now she's texting with Dev. And the stuff she texts us about what their day-to-day life is like in the Ukraine, I can't even imagine. And so I want you to know, I know they're suffering. There are people in here that got terminal diseases. There are people that got no people with terminal diseases. All of that stuff I know. I'll say this over and over again today. But if we don't find the scriptural way, the scriptural permission at the right times in the right places to be happy, we will not endure well to the end. And so I want to just give you permission to be happy today and find out how do you do that without being insensitive. All right, we'll get there in a minute. So, I'm going to read from the new internet uh, I'm sorry, the new living translation. And I'm going to read it, and when you hear why I chose that translation, you'll know. So you're going to have to listen real closely to me, because I can't put it up there. Normally, you would use the screens and emphasize it. So you look at your. So turn first to Ecclesiastes 8.15. If you've got a fast thumb, you should be there already. And Ecclesiastes 8.15. If you're old school, like Pastor Mike, it's going to take a while. All right? Here's what it says in Ecclesiastes. So, I recommend, now watch what it says, now listen to me, now look at me and listen to me if you're not doing the NLT. I recommend having fun. That's what the NLT says. I recommend having fun because there is nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. That way they will experience some happiness along the hard work, or with all the hard work God gives them under the sun. He says, I want you to have some fun, sometimes to have some happiness, because a lot of life is hard work. We'd all agree. <laughs> it's a lot of life is hard work. Now, if you could get over to Isaiah chapter 65, 18, I want to look at another verse. Isaiah 65, 18. I'll give you a second. This is what's so different from screens, you can move faster. So if I speak longer, it's because of the screens, not me. All right, so Isaiah 65, 18. Be glad. Rejoice forever in my creation. And look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. Now, I know your version says it differently. And now you're wondering, which Hebrew... Is Russ taking a version that doesn't do the Hebrew right? I know you're wondering. You should be. If you're a good Berean, you should be wondering. And now I want to go to Psalm 86.4, last time. Psalm 86.4. And here's the prayer of the psalmist. Give me happiness, O Lord, for I give myself to you. So have some fun. Find a place of happiness. Be in the people of God at harvest, a place of happiness. Should there be happiness here, and then a prayer? Give me happiness as I give myself to you. So, uh, I, in order to go, Russ. Now hold on. People are hurting. Well, here's the thing: people are always going to be hurting. There's two kinds of people that go into these kind of things. Then they'll go. They're they're basically emotionally lazy, and insensitive, and they'll go. Look, we just got to be happy. We can't get into people's pain. No, that, that is totally unscriptural. Empathy is the greatest healer, healer on the planet to feel somebody's pain. So there are, most of the time, I think, you're feeling either your own pain or somebody else's. If you don't, you can't give love to people properly you you got you to gotta feel with them. So it means it's going to be a downer. It's going to hurt to feel with them. But these people who won't do that, here's what they are. They're only two things. They're insensitive and they're lazy. They don't want to engage their emotions because it takes energy to do that, to feel with you. It's a laziness. And it, that's not right. But then there's the other side of it. It's like you don't have permission to ever have fun, to ever laugh about things, to ever forget the problems of the world for a minute and enjoy your husband or your wife or your children or your family or your friends at Harvest or something on TV or something that tickles you in the parking lot at the store. It's like we don't, I should never feel this way. There's too much pain in the planet. That's wrong too. So it's not one or the other It's something in here and learning how to be a person that knows when to be happy and when you're happy to give yourself permission to be happy and be fully happy. Because to be fully happy will carry you to the end. Laughter is a medicine. It just heals you on the inside. You're going, ah, okay, you know, I got to go do the hard thing again tomorrow, but that was fun. And then that fun brings you through. Is everybody hearing what I'm saying? So you have to understand why God, why God made you. Why did God, if we were formed in our mother's womb under the intention of God, now how he does that each time, I don't know. But I do know that I'm formed in here by design. I don't think I fell into the earth and God goes, I think I'll mess with that one. Like he picks up parts of the human race and works with it, the rest of us just here for the ride. God makes us all. So with that in mind, why? Why did God make the first two? So if you have to understand original intent to understand what I'm about to say. All right, original intent. So why did God make Adam? What in the world, why are they here? If he's self-sufficient, and he is, we just sang it. He's self-sufficient. He doesn't need anything. So why did he make Adam and then later Eve? Why? And there can only be two reasons. One is because he is love, and everything about him is defined by love. So therefore, he wanted to let that love loose. It's to be more of himself, although he can't be more of himself, but to release himself somewhere so that he could be known by somebody for what he is. So the first reason you're on this planet is to know and experience God's love. It is the first reason. It's not the only one. But it is the first and primary reason to know his love. The more you know God's love, the more you're coming into original and divine intent. To know how much he loves you. Because that's why you're here. Sin gets in the way of it now, but he wants to show his love to you. Number two is to reflect his glory. Because all of his creation reflects his glory. I, I was out for a walk on one of the back roads over by Brad and Nancy's house, praying for this morning, praying for you, praying for Pastor Mike and Rhonda and just everything uh, that was going to take place this morning. And, and uh, uh, for me, these two cranes come walking out. And uh, so I got my camera out and, or my phone and was following them and got the picture that I wanted, and I just marveled at it, just watching the two long-legged birds kind of barely move. But they fascinated me. All, ref- all glory, all creation reflects his glory. And, uh, and you, you are his creation. So there's two reasons for you to be on this planet by original intent, just like Adam and Eve. to know his love and reflect his glory, that out of who you are and what you are, people know God because of you. You're a mirror that reflects him. And you're receiving his love. So those are the only two reasons. The reason that's important, because you can't get this thing on happiness unless you understand that. You'll always feel like you owe God something. You'll always feel just short rather than enough in his love. And when you're unsatisfied and unfilled on the inside, you can never truly laugh as deeply as you need to. You cannot. Um... So I, God, God is not a cosmic killjoy. I think he laughs. I was telling the family the other day, I've only been in Alex a few times, and, <laughs> but I've gone to, I called it the wrong name the other day, Eldon's. So I've gone to Eldon's grocery store a lot because it's got some health food selections there and there's some stuff I like there, so I've, I've learned to go there. And it, it has a parking lot. It has like a wall that you turn in and go up into a parking lot. You go up into it. And so Debbie and I had been to the Y for a workout and we're coming home and, um, and we're just talking about something really important to us. And I see a turn that goes up. And so I don't look at any signs. I don't do anything. I'm just going, yeah, I feel it. You women know what I'm talking about, right? I just felt it. I knew it. I just, I just feel this. I'm in the right place. And so I just, and I just turned and went up, sure enough, went up, got in there, walked in the store. The sliding doors went open. And I went, what happened to Eldon's? It's full of clothes, like old clothes. And I started looking around, going, man, there's no El-. I thought, when did Eldon's close? And then I looked over and I thought, I'm in the Goodwill store. I'd gone all the way in the store. The st- it's not like there's not a big sign over the store. You know what I'm saying? Like, goodwill. You know what I'm going? <laughs> I came out and I thought, you old idiot. You, you just, what in the world? I got so tickled at myself. Which led to another encounter that I laughed about and have laughed about several times. I've told it so many times. Brad Nancy's Nancy sick of hearing it. And uh, so I'm telling our, um, see, what are you to me, niece? And uh, so and uh, so. So Abigail's over, and I'm telling that whole story, and so I start making jokes. I said, I'm just getting old. It's almost over. I won't, be, I won't be. You may never see me again, Abigail, and I'm just teasing, right? And she looks at me and goes, don't say that. She goes, speak life. Speak life. That's, that's so she, I look at her, I go, are you correcting me right now? And, uh, and I said, how old are you, and do we even know each other? And... Uh, and, and <laughs> One of my favorite things of the whole trip, getting corrected by Abigail. And I uh, just uh, so that was good. And uh, I know her now. So stay out of her way. And uh, don't fight with that. And, um, and, uh, and, and I laughed. And, and it felt good. And it feels good to laugh. And it feels good to be with friends. And it feels good to be with your family. Is there anything that ever sounds like a child's laughter? When they laugh deeply and they're just having, innocent. You know what they're having? They're having what we're supposed to have. Sometimes. Enough to make it through the hard work that the Lord has given us to do under this sun. I'm giving you permission not to go out and be unsympathetic, to not care, to not hurt for a world that hurts. But to laugh enough, to have enough fun so that when you come to the party, when you come to this church, you're bringing life. You're bringing energy. You're bringing strength. All right, now, so you gotta go, well how, you know, I just don't think Christianity is this cosmic killjoy. I think one of the most atheistic things you can ever do, atheistic, is to be a Christian who's never happy. Well, who would want what you got? Who would want that? You got to have some life on you. This this thing works, you know. This whole thing called Christianity works. (sighs) I don't think Christianity is a penalty to be paid while we're here on earth. Like you're saved now and you're going to suffer till you get to heaven, then you can have fun. I'm going, I ain't buying that. It's not even in the Bible anywhere. Where'd you find that in the Bible? The Bible actually says I can have something good here. Stacy just said that in giving. So how do you do it? i got to get there. You know, let me, I, I should ask this question, and then, then we'll uh, watch how fast I close this thing. Well, we're believing for that, anyhow. <laughs> but what, do you know that most of what you seek is so that you can be happy? Just so you'll know. Let's just, what you should do is admit you're trying to be happy all the time anyhow. You know, But Christians never want to go, no, I'm not trying to be happy. Well, then what are you trying to be? and you're succeeding cuz you don't look very happy but you know why did you want to get married no come on now why did you want to get married oh I saw him and thought, I want to serve him for the rest of his life, just make his life amazing. God called me to that man to just, he is going to succeed. Now, we all prayed that that woman would show up. They don't exist. And, uh, and so I just want you to know. And so I, it, 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 that, no, no man sees his wife in his red Ephesians and going, I'm looking for somebody to lay my life down for like Christ. laid down. I don't want anything out of this deal. Just her to be blessed. No one goes into marriage like that something wrong with you if you did that. You go into marriage because you want to be happy. You want that person to be with you because you're that person, you're happy. Does that get out of balance? Does that get all wrong? Does it turn into selfishness too many times? Yes. Is it wrong to want happiness in that relationship? No. Why do we have children? None of us know. It just... (laughs) (laughs) I could have way too much fun on this one, and it will burn up the clock. And uh, we had children to be happy. Now, and listen, on this side of it, is there anything, parents and grandparents, that makes you happier on this planet than your children when all is well? When you laugh with them, when they love you, when you feel them close to you, is there anything that makes you happier? Nothing. Is there anything that can make you hurt more? No. But is it worth it? to go through what all it takes to raise a child for the small amount of happiness measured to the energy that you had to put into it that hurts and is struggle and the sacrificial. Is it worth the fun you've had? Beyond comprehension. You have children because you want to be happy. I love it when my children make me happy. I want them to. And it makes me just want to pour my life out to them even more. The happier they make me, the more I want to lay down my life for them. And you're the same way. It's the way the gospel works. Why do you want to be with your family with Christmas? I'm going to leave that one behind because several of you don't. Um, so. <laughs> why do you want to purchase that new thing? You didn't need it. And we know that gets into addiction and gets all kinds of problems that are written about. But why do you want? When you put on something new, you feel better. You get in a new car, it feels better. It doesn't last, carnal, fleshy. I'm just saying, God made you and designed you to be happy. And you have to find the places to be happy and give yourself permission to be happy. Enjoy it. And God looks down there and goes, just enjoy that. You got to get up tomorrow. We got to go to work. The world's a hard place. But enjoy that right now. And if you do, you'll make it to the end. Is anybody hearing a theme yet? I want you to get to the end strong. Amen. All right. So here's here's five words I'm going to give you. I know mean, you're going five words. Russ, how long are you going to talk? It goes faster from this point on. I just wanted you to understand. Uh, you probably should understand one more qualifier. Um Many famous theologians, Pastor Mike, men that you and I have read and know, people much deeper than me, will say something along this line. I wrote it down. They'll say, God does not promise to bring you happiness, but he will always bring you joy. That's a, that is a, that's a Christian statement you'll hear all the time. So you can have joy and not be happy. But if you do this study a little deeper... The word for joy, the reason that NALT uses it, in the Hebrew can be defined as happiness, as easy as it can, some kind of ethereal joy that's experienced in your inner man but not in your exterior soul. I personally disagree. I don't know how to feel the joy of the Lord and not happy at the same time. No matter what's going on. So you say, Russ, all hell's breaking loose and you experience joy. Then what? Then I feel happy. There's something, even in the middle of something just going completely chaotic. Everything's bad, terrible reports. Joy of the Lord comes on you. Next thing you know, you hear something that tickles you. There's a moment of happiness. And all of this world of creation that's been so decimated by sin, you find something good in it and God, and you latch onto it for a second and it pulls you through. So for me, joy equates to happiness. They're not exactly the same. I understand. But whenever somebody says God didn't promise you happiness, He promised you joy. I one hundred percent disagree. Some happiness is here for you. All right. Here's your five things. Another first thing you got to do is you got to cultivate presence. All of these words start with the letter P: presence, people, purpose. All right. Purity, I forgot my fourth one, and peace, I'm sorry, peace. All right, so here we go. Cultivate presence. By presence, I mean the presence of God in your life. So very simply, you have to cultivate the presence of God. It just doesn't come. That's why Pastor Mike teaches on spiritual disciplines. I know he does. Every pastor does. you got to have a prayer time in the morning. you got to read something in the Bible. You, you, you know what I mean? You can't just lay it all aside. You've you got to have some kind of practice in your life that forces you into an encounter with Jesus. You can't do it when you feel like it. You won't. You have to do it when you don't feel like it, and so you've got to have your time in the Word. You've got to have a time, like he was saying, put on some worship music, do it in the car, have some kind of prayer time, have some kind of list that you follow, have a discipline, have a ritual that you meet God. You have to cultivate his presence, and as you do that, his presence then follows you into your workday where you can't sit there and just focus on him all by himself with nothing else there. you got your work to do, your kids to take care of, your husband, your wife, all the stuff, the duties of life. God knows that. What he wants you to do is start to cultivate his presence early in the day if possible. That's the best way. I know people say, I'm a nighttime person. I'm going, well, you still got to get up sometime, right? So start there. Whatever your startup time is, you should start the day with Jesus. And, uh, and, so, and you do that. But then you look for his presence throughout the day. Presence makes you happy. I don't know if anybody doesn't feel the presence of God when it becomes a reality. When It's almost like it's physiological almost. When you feel the presence of God, that you don't get happy. No one gets sadder when they feel the presence of God unless he's coming to convict you of a sin you're in. And then the Bible says if you repent, what comes? Times are refreshing. Who doesn't come out of a shower feeling better than they did when they went in dirty? So you come out going, go, ooh, I feel way better. And you almost laugh. There it is again. God's always bringing us to a place of joy and happiness so we can make it. Cultivate his presence. Cultivate his presence. John Piper says this, and this would normally be on the screen, so I want to be careful with any of the quotes that I use today. He says this, All sin comes from a desire to be happy, cut off from the glory of God and cut off from the good of others. When all your happiness is so that you and you alone can be happy, you'll never be happy. But if it's to give glory to him and to be a blessing to others, laugh on. Number two, cultivate purpose. I'm sorry, cultivate people. Cultivate relationships. I have to qualify that because you can't cultivate people it's pretty evil. There's a famous 75-year-long study. Some of you may have read it that Harvard did, 75 years long. Several professors took it up and for their seasons of time on what makes people happy. You ready for this? All they had to do is read their Bible. I don't say that in a condescending way, you know, because I have wondered, what does make people happy? And I read the Bible all the time. Why aren't people happier? And, um, and they came up with, after 75 years, they came up with one factor that outran the rest of them by a mile. I mean, it wasn't even close. There's one, and way down here is the rest of them. And here, here's what it was. It is quality relationships with deep connections. It, 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 so you wonder, so why does the Bible say over and over again, love one another, serve one another, honor one another, um, <laughs> owe oh, no man anything but to love. The greatest of these is love. Where, Love others as you love yourself. What, what is going on here? God was going, hey, joy and happiness is going to be in the connections you have with others. And so connections have to be done with great intentionality. Here, here's what you know. Everybody's waiting for their friends to show up. They're not coming. Now, some of you might have been fortunate enough to live in Alex all your life. You've known some people. You've made some friendships. I guarantee you, those of you road to nothing if you don't intentionally take care of them. Life erodes relationships, doesn't build them. You have to be intentional. You have to keep reaching. They'll forget to call. You'll get your feelings hurt, and then you won't call them for six months. Well, here's the thing. It's not the hurt that's a big problem. It's the fact that you're losing a source of joy. You're losing a source of happiness. I've got these friends I've been close to for years, and they'll get busy, and I won't hear from them. So I'll start leaving them messages. What's wrong with you? And then, and then they'll, I, you know, or I've, I've faked emergencies. Hey, I've just got a bad report. I need you to call me. So they think I've got some disease or something. And they'll call me up. What happened? I said, Debbie's mad at me again. <laughs> they go, what? I thought something was in. I just wanted to make sure you called me. You weren't going to call me until you thought it was an emergency. And so I'm being intentional right now because we're keeping this relationship alive. You think, Debbie knows. I actually have done that. You say, man, what kind of friends you got to chase that hard? The only kind of friends I got. And it's the only kind of friends you have. You chase one another. You don't let the devil separate you. And he always wants to because your relationships, according to Harvard, and of course we have the Bible if we want to use that, the greatest source of joy are people and relationships. You can have something happen so powerful, doing board games together, laughing and being silly, and walk away, and here's what you want to hear yourself say. I'm full of fellowship." I'm just full of koinonia. I'm going to get up tomorrow and serve God. It's going to be hard. But that was good. Um, one of the professors that, is everybody still with me? I am a little bit long now, so Pastor Mike, I'm sorry. So I, I will run this thing to the end. And, um, but uh, one of the professors said this. He said this. Um, there are two fundamental elements that they've discovered in their study. He did it from 1972 to 2004, so he was a big stretch of it. And um, he said there were two foundational elements they found in this whole relational thing. He said one is love. Well, We knew that, right, to love one another. The other is finding ways. Now I'm going to say this slow because it's not on the screen. Is finding a way of coping with life that does not push love away. So what, what he means is you're going to, everybody in this room is going to go through some, something really hard. It's just the way life is, more than once probably. And in that, you internalize. When things go bad, you come in this way because you can't manage stuff out there. It, it becomes too much. So you come in, you come in, you come in. I'm not saying that's wrong. The only thing is you're getting into a dangerous place because his love is coming toward you because you're internalizing, you're hurting, then you start to push away what's coming towards you. Just think about your own life. It's, everybody does it. And you have to learn to be careful that when you're hurting, when life is chaotic, not to develop a hurt inside of you, a bitterness inside of you that starts pushing the greatest source of joy you have other than the presence of Jesus, and that's people who deeply love you. Are you with me? All right, all right. So that's when Jesus, when Jesus says forgive, is he not smart? you know when he said, forgive one another, that he was thinking about you? He said, forgive them so that love keeps coming. Because in the, you don't want to have unforgiveness that breaks the relationship. And now you can't receive love from that person anymore, and now you're miserable. Because it's a great source of happiness. All right, got to keep going. Happy people know I belong to a people. They just know happy people belong to a people. All right, here we go. Uh, cultivate purpose. I'm not going to take a lot of time on this one. My son just preached a message on that this morning. I watched it before we came here and uh, actually did a really, really good job. And, uh, but here, here, here's what I mean by purpose. You have to know that you matter. You, you have to know that you matter to somebody. And the only way you can know that you matter to somebody is invest in their life in such a way that they need you. That is how the body of Christ is built. That's how churches are built. That's how marriages are built. That's how great children are raised. You invest into them because your purpose is to make their life better. You're never going to understand. These people, my son just said this. I agree with this with all my heart. You're never going to go, God's going to tell me who I am and what I am on this planet. You don't need God to tell you who you are and what you are on this planet. You need to do the Bible, walk forward in it, and all of a sudden you'll go, oh, that's what I am. You don't have to have this word. You don't have to have a burning bush. You don't have to have a call up the Mount of Transfiguration. What you have to do is love Jesus with all your heart, love people hard, serve people hard. And the next thing you know, who you are and what you are to people and why you matter on this planet just becomes obvious to you. You're going, oh, I'm this. People are all going, I, I, I got to find out what my gift is. Just serve people. It'll come out. You, they get all Because when you become all about finding out who you are, you'll never find out who you are. Who you are is determined in your value and definition of how you serve and love other people. That's the only way you'll find out who you are. So your purpose, you're never going to be happy without knowing, hey, I, I am this. So every mom and every dad knows they're a mom and a dad. Serve those children. You, you see what I'm saying? There a lot of our purpose is just defined for us. And a lot of it's in our mundane world. But I don't want to stay there for a long time. I don't think it's a whole other message in and of itself. But just know this, that live sent. I, I just did a message on this. Live sent. Don't ever come here. Don't ever come to harvest. Be sent to harvest. Don't ever go to work. Be sent to work. Don't ever go to the baseball game. Be sent to the baseball game. Know that Jesus is always sending. He's sending you with a mission. You with something he wants to do through you. Always live sent. Don't go there. Be sent there. And when you live sent, your purpose will never be a question to you. Number four. Number four, cultivate peace. And I can even be shorter on this one. Cultivate peace. Could I get some music, please? That makes me quit. i got to have that to quit or I won't quit. I'll go on I- I haven't heard the music yet, and I'll just keep speaking. And uh, cultivate peace. Um, Here's what I mean by that. You know how everybody goes, man, I wish I had some peace. Now, you're not going to have a lot of uh, rest from anxiety in this world. Too many things can go wrong. Like I was coming back from my walk, and I hear this pop, 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 pop. pop." I thought, man, somebody's got a semi-automatic unloading that baby somewhere. And, uh, and I was listening, and they and it, whoa, they're pretty close to the neighborhood to be doing that. And uh, and I told Brad, I said, I came in because I had my earbuds in because I was listening to a worship song to finish up and to pull them out. and pop, pop, pop. Whoa, they are losing some ammo out there. And um, I said, Brad, who's shooting the AR? He goes, what? And I said, that noise. He said, that's our neighbor's impact drill. I said, I knew that. Just seeing a few. Just messing with you. City boy. (laughs) And I said, oh, okay, yeah. But for a minute, it was anxiety. I thought, there's anxiety in this world everywhere. Everybody's mad. Everybody's upset. Where are you going to get any peace? But here's what the Bible means by peace. It's a whole message, again, in and of itself. To laugh and to know it's Okay is you have to know this, that God in his sovereign will, I'm going to say something so cliche, so old school, you got to know he's got you in his hands. He's running the show. And the enemy never gets permission to do anything to you that God's not watching going, I'll be there with you through this. And you got to know that he holds your eternity in his hands, that while we walk through this hard life, laughing along the way as best we can, And getting to the end, having fulfilled his purposes, he goes, I got you. Eternity's going to be amazing, and I'm going to get you there. That's my source of peace. Not is everything going to be hunky-dory. Is is everything going to work out the way I want it to work out? That's not the kind of peace. I don't don't think the Bible says I'm ever going to have that. He says, in this world you will have tribulations. I'm going, okay, so what am I supposed to feel? He goes, I got you, son. I'll take you through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll take you through the fire. I'll take you through the waters. I may just bring you home, and that'll even be better. I got you, son. That's my peace. And when I have that peace, I live this life going, eh, it's okay to laugh today. Have some fun. And then there's purity, and I won't spend any time there at all. But just know this the junk in your life that you won't give to Jesus, you keep letting it stay. You know what it is. We all have something. You just let it stay, your pride or your temper or your withholding or whatever. Maybe you have some of the more outward sins that everybody talks about all the time, but those kind are more dear to me. Pride, withholding, selfishness. Those are more damaging than getting drunk. And I'm not saying those are right, watching the wrong thing, that kind of stuff, all that stuff. The more of that you have on you, the less power you have to be happy. So Jesus doesn't want to clean you up because you're mad at you or thinks there's something wrong with you or you don't belong to him as one of his children. You do. The blood of Jesus covers everything. But he knows how you feel with that weight on you. He says, just clean that up. Clean that up because the cleaner you are, the happier you are. That's why children laugh differently than we do. They don't feel the load of sin. They don't. That's why a good spanking makes them happy afterwards. They can laugh again because they're not carrying their guilt. Their guilt's been paid for. You're not carrying yours either. Yours has been paid for. But you got to live pure I uh, leave you with a fun story it has nothing to do with this message but I do want to pray something um, I asked I said if I ever spoke there I want to tell this story this will just tell you how I see life so my sons are runners this is the end Mike so it really is the end and uh, <laughs> And they, ran, they run in our city races. Any races we have, I, I, they're runners, runners. Like, at this time, they were running like a 415 mile. And, um, and so they would get in all the events and run. And so one of my sons was injured at this time, but the other one got in what we call the turkey trot on Thanksgiving. A, and so you could go there and you'd run 3.8 miles or run 13 miles. Now, they always ran 13. And they're always top five in the city. I'm, not, I'm a proud dad about that, but it's just a fact. They've won a bunch of them. They're, they're just fast. And um, and one of them was running in it. And so he had his friends over to our house the night before. And uh, <laughs> um, they were eating their pasta, doing all this carb load thing, for any of you that do that stuff, loading up with carbs, getting ready for the event. And um, I, I'm listening to him talk. I say, you guys carb loading? And they go, yeah. And and I go, and I was joking with them because I'm always messing around. And I go, I'm going to run in that 3.8 tomorrow. They go, you should. And then they go, ha, ha. They laughed at me, and, uh, and I said, why are you, wait, wait, why are you laughing? They go, you ain't going to run three, fast Rush. You're not going to run 3.8. They all started laughing at me. I said, give me some of that pasta. I said, give me some of that pasta. I'll see you guys in the morning. They all laughed. You ain't coming in the morning, and um, so I got up in the morning. I thought I'm going to go run 3.8 miles with these guys, so I get down there, and I thought I'm not going to sign up you know you're supposed to sign up you know you actually pay to be in the event I thought ah, I don't even know if I'm gonna finish I'm not I'll just wait till they start and then I'll just kind of dash out there run with everybody so I go to the you know if you've ever been to one of those kind of races there's always like a long line at the restrooms at the porta potty things and so I'm I'm not even in a hurry in fact I hear the cannon go off boom I'm going, matter to me so I wait to because every all the people are in line and kaboom so they go oh no and they run away I'm going hey see it works and, uh, and so I, I got a bathroom all to myself take my time I come out sure enough the last few slow people the walkers going across the starting line with their little chips go off and I just join in I start running and uh, I do pretty good I start passing up all these overweight people older people and, I'm thinking, and, and I looked down my watch, and I thought, I'm going to do an eight-minute mile. I'm like, this is pretty good for me. I thought, hey. And so I'd run about another half mile, and then up and there, there's a thing that goes this way and that way. And they had given instructions to the people who were where they were supposed to be. So I'm looking, I'm going, which way do I go? And, I, and there was a sign, but it was so low, I couldn't see it. And I, now I'm making time, so my pride gets a hold of me. I think, well, I don't have time to go see that sign. So seriously, this is how I choose. I see this, I see these, these kind of, um, they had not pushed away from the table very many times. I want to be polite here. They had, they had spent a lot of time at the table without pushing away. Go to the left. And then I saw some girls that were kind of prancing, not running. You know how girls will prance, you know what I mean? They're kind of fring, fring. And I thought, well, I know they're not going 13 miles. So I follow them. I just follow them around the corner. And I get out, and I'm thinking, I've already gone a mile and a half. I'm almost done. So I go another mile, and I start thinking about where we are. There's the rivers, St. John's River's over here, and I know we aren't anywhere near the finish line. I'm thinking, "Uh uh-oh. So I'm a proud man, Pastor Mike, proud man. So I run up next to this guy because we're at like three miles and I know we're not at anywhere near a finish line. And uh, and I'm going, uh-oh. And so I run up next to this guy. Why are you looking at me like that? And uh, and, uh, and and so I look. I, <laughs> so I, I run up next to this guy. And, um, and, I, and I look at him, and I'm going, hey, so I want you to know, you'll be proud of me, Pastor right. I didn't let anybody know what was really going on. This is important that we preserve our manhood. So I run up next to him. I go, hey, buddy. He goes, hey. I said, we are on the 13-mile side, aren't we? And he goes, yeah, why? I said, I just wanted to make sure. I didn't want to think I was on the other side. And, uh, and, uh, and, I, and then I slowed down and let him get out of sight. You know what I mean? So I've slowed down. He goes, I go, what in the world? And what i done is I'm six miles from my car, it feels like. Uh, it's Thanksgiving. I've ruined Thanksgiving. I'm going to be so sore I can't even eat. So I start to go back, and people are looking going, looking at me, and this one of them says, hey, wrong way, huh? I go, shut up. I mean, everybody can't go to our church. You know what I'm saying? Somebody's got to go somewhere else. I said, shut up. and. And so I think, you know, I can't go all the way back. It's like, that means I'll run six miles. I'm pretty sure my car is right through that neighborhood. So I, so I start running through houses. Dogs are barking. You know, we don't have fences and all that stuff in Jacksonville. So I'm running through houses and hoping that people don't come out. And, and so I, I finally I come out to this one street. And I think I know I'm close. And I hear this. And I turn. And this kid, I know him because all the kids who lead the races are with Ryan and Aaron all the time, my sons. And sure enough, I see him. He goes, "Hey, Mr. Austin." I go, "Hey, Freddie." And I say, he said, "What are you doing?" I said, "Oh, just watching the race." And uh, and, and 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 he he runs by. And then so I'm still figuring, So I'm thinking well, it must be that way then. So I'm thinking I'll cut through the neighborhood. fit, I hear this? Fit, 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 fit. And it's the second place guy, Bobby. He goes, "Hey, Mr. Austin." I go, "Hey, Bobby, how you doing?" He goes, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm watching the race." And, he goes through and i'm getting there and i'm almost done then i hear this fit, 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 fit. and i hear this dad what are you doing he's ryan my son i said i'm lost i said he goes he starts laughing he goes dad who gets lost in a road race he said no one gets lost. he said what are you doing over here i said well i got it on the wrong one i said i'm trying to find my way back to the car he starts laughing so hard he actually falls down on the ground He's all doubled up. I said, get up. You're going to lose your spot. All right. So he runs off, and I see him laughing all the way around the corner, laughing. He's holding his stomach. And I get this idea, because life is fun. If you understand, you know, hey, make some spots for your life. Have some fun. Do something. Don't hurt people. And I thought, because I heard people start yelling for them. And I thought, I've never, I've never won anything. I've never, I've never, because my sons are like itty-bitty. They weigh like 140 wet, you know what I mean? I have two of them here, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm thinking, hmm, I want to do it. So I started running as hard as I could towards the finish line. And sure enough, within like half a mile, people are on the side of the street cheering for me. I'm running, and I'm running, and people go, hey. I go, hey. I'm I'm like in fifth place. I'm like in fifth place. And then I hear this. This ended it for me. The crowd got thicker and thicker. You know, there's more and more people. Then I hear this, and I think the Lord made me hear this. And he goes, I hear this. Look at the old guy. He's good. I thought, old guy? I thought, old guy? It really hurt me. And uh, I had too much conscience to run over the finish line. And I'm not running over the finish line fifth place. And uh, so I just go off to the car and leave and be done. It was fun. And I've had fun with that story for years. You say, why would you tell me? I just wanted to hear you laugh. It has nothing to do with the message. Give yourself permission to be happy when you should. Don't be happy when you shouldn't. You'll hurt people. Don't be so happy you forgot that there's pain in this world that you are called to. That the world's a hard place. But don't ever choose a life that doesn't have enough happiness in it. God wants you. And when he hears you laugh deeply, it's just like us when we hear our children laugh and it fills our soul. He feels his love coming to you and you reflecting his glory. Let me pray over you. Father God, I pray for this great people called Harvest. And I pray that they will find happiness in the right places at the right time that they'll find laughter. Some of them, Lord, have had a rough, rough patch of road and the thought of laughing is so removed that maybe they're finding other ways to handle the pain. God, I pray that you'll put laughter there instead of something that anesthetizes. God, don't let them chase the world. Let them chase you. And as we walk in your presence with your people, finding our purpose, being pure, and knowing the peace that we're in your hands. Give us some moments, Lord, in this week to come that make life fun, to enjoy some of this life you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your time and patience with me. Bless you all.
1: Praise God, amen. Stand with me if you would, please. Joy of the Lord is our strength, Amen. Um, in a moment here, want to pray for those. Uh, we'll open up the altars here for uh, the altar workers, but salvation challenge. But uh, I want to just do that here in this moment. But we also want to have opportunity to to bless Russ and Debbie, and I want to have them back. We we need to have them involved in our church. And uh, such a right now message for so many people. Thank you, Russ. But if you just close your eyes in this moment, if you would, you're here this morning, and you don't have that that joy, that happiness of the Lord, and most importantly, that assurance of salvation. That's the most important decision. You can make in your life having Christ reside within you as the Bible says you're born again I don't know where you're at spiritually maybe you came as a guest you're loved and you're welcome being here but more importantly it would be a tragedy to to leave this place without knowing Jesus personally and the scripture says that you can know these things they're written, the scriptures written, that you may know you have eternal life. God wants you to have that assurance. So you hear this morning, you say, "This is me, Pastor. I, I maybe I'm I've fallen away. I've walked away. I'm hurt. Backslid is a term that's used in the church. Just 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 a drawback, spirit, whatever you want to call it. You just you're not where you need to be with the Lord." and you need to rededicate your life, or some of you, it may be the first time, it's like, I'm gonna take that step of faith. I'm gonna invite Christ in my life. That's you here this morning with heavy head bow. Would you just pray with me? You're not joining this church, but you will be joining the family of God. Can we pray in unison? Say this to me, say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I make a decision today to invite you in my life. Jesus, take control of my life. Fill me with your presence. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, then God meant it and he has taken of his spirit and put it in your spirit. And the Bible says that as you become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And normally we'd have a slide pull up how we can help you in next steps. And and we're here at Harvest to help you through that, uh, your growth spiritually, and help you along the way to develop in the things of God. That's where we're here. And you need to know that you're welcome. You're welcome here at Church for the Harvest. Amen amen. I'm going to invite the altar workers to come forward. Uh, They are safe people. They're here. They'll pray with you, minister to you. Maybe something that was spoken that just was stirred within you, that Russ spoke this morning, or you just need someone to pray a prayer of agreement with you. and I'm gonna pray closing in a moment, but uh, typically we would have a special slide for text to give, H special. We don't have that, I apologize. But uh, we do have some offering uh, containers in the, uh, the lobby area. Just ask that you bless Russ and Debbie if you're able to write a check or you'll be able to send something and at least note it that, hey, this is for Pastor Russ and Debbie. And we just wanna richly bless them They've been here. Amen church, let me bless you. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the word that has gone forth and it shall not return void, but shall accomplish where to ascend, and it shall prosper. I thank you for the prospering of your word and the lives of your people here today. And Lord, we go forth with joy in peace. And we thank you, Lord. enemy, Satan, we serve you, notice you will not steal our joy. We thank you, Lord, that we have permission to laugh, to rejoice, to be happy. We thank you. And God, I pray that you would just just come upon us this week in such a unique way and that it will bring to remembrance even this message this week that we have times this hilarious laughter, just a, a joyful time, and that we would just sense your healing presence as we move forward loving on you in others. It's in Jesus' name I pray and all God's people said Amen, Amen. Thank you. God bless you all.